This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. My name is Clayton Small. I'm a student pastor here at the Ark. It's great to be with you this morning. I need you to just help me feel a little bit more at home. Will you just give me a shout? See, in the youth, we like to be really, really loud. So uh, I've titled today's message, What Are You Shouting About? What are you shouting about? You see, I just will stand on the stage and say shout in front of our teenagers, and they'll just shout just to shout. We live in a world, if you've noticed over the last year, we've been able to see that we live in a world that loves to shout about anything and everything. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves shouting about the wrong things or not even know why we're shouting. There's lots of reasons to shout. Uh, People often shout when they need help. You know, husbands, uh, your wife ever been in the other room and start shouting and you can't understand a word she's saying, but you already know you should get up and go help because she's asking for help. Um, a couple months ago, I was, uh, we were driving home somewhere, and I needed to go to the restroom. And so we pulled over this gas station. Let me tell you, it was no Bucky's. okay? Um, I walked in, and it was probably the dirtiest bathroom I've been in a while. You don't want to touch anything. But I had to, I had to go to the restroom. And, and I, well, I'm not, gonna, I'm not in use, so I'm not going to tell you all the details, okay? But, um, because I don't want this to be me tomorrow sitting in front of Pastor Allen and Pastor Philip, you know. I can see Alan looking like that, you know. <laughs> but the bathroom was disgusting, okay? And I, I'm getting ready to leave, and as I go to leave, I grab the door handle, and the door handle breaks. I'm in a one-man bathroom that's disgusting, and I can't get out. And so I start pushing on the door, and nothing's working, so I start shouting, Help! Help! I'm like, I'm a 31-year-old man standing in a bathroom crying for help. Like, how loud do you shout? Like, is, is this like crisis mode, you know, like level three or one? And nobody comes. And I'm shouting and nobody comes. And so I picked up my phone and I called my wife who was in the car with our toddler. And it takes forever to unbuckle all the car seat. And so she stayed in the car. And I said, you're going to have to get her out and you're going to have to come in here. And she's like, why? I said, because I need help. Next thing you know, my wife is standing outside the door just laughing. Like, she is no help to me whatsoever. So I finally look at her. I'm like, stop recording whatever you're recording on the other end of that wall and go ask the attendant for help. And so soon enough, the attendant comes, and and, uh, there was a a language barrier, and uh, we couldn't really communicate very well, and I could hear a screwdriver pounding on the door handle on the other side. It's not working. I've been in the bathroom for about 10, 15 minutes. He starts kicking the door. I am standing against the wall of this filthy bathroom thinking, I just need help. It's easy in our life to shout when we need help. Have you ever been there? Situation, something comes up and all you know to do is to shout for help. Sometimes in our life, though, we shout because we're confused, you know. Back in the day when you were in school, you remember when the teacher would give you an assignment and nobody would understand? What would everybody do? I don't get it. I don't get it. Everybody start complaining. Or you go to work and your boss fires off some shotgun and says, everybody's going to do this. And you're like, but why? And your kids. But mom, I don't want to. You see, it's easy to shout sometimes when we feel confused. We don't know what to do. There are some times in our life when people shout because they're mad. I'll never forget the first time I was driving on the interstate. I was 15 years old. I remember taking off down the on-ramp, and apparently he thought I drove like a granny. Because the guy behind me 
came flying around me on a one-lane access ramp to get on the interstate. And I'll never forget it. I have it etched in my memory. Him shouting behind his window and giving me some of the nice, nicest hand gestures I've ever seen, you know? <laughs> but I, I remember that moment because we live in a world that loves to shout. People shout when they get mad. You know, though, sometimes people just shout because everybody else is shouting. Sometimes people don't even know why they're shouting. They're just, everybody else is shouting, and so we may as well shout. In Acts chapter uh, 19, there's a group of people, and they're on the cusp of a riot, and, and one man stands up and has the boldness to say, why is everybody shouting? You see, a group of people had gotten together because one guy was mad at another guy about something, and everybody else comes around and starts confessing and complaining and shouting and all of a sudden, they look around and a bunch of people are standing around. It looks like a junior high fight. Everybody showed up and nobody knows why anybody's fighting. And one guy stands up in Acts chapter 19. Here's what he says. He says, for we are really in danger of being charged with rioting today. And since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. You see, they're standing around shouting and people don't know why. Some people are confused. Some people are mad. And somebody stands up and says something that I think is going to play a key role in what we're talking about today. He says, what's the cause that you can give to justify the commotion? When you take an inventory of your life, the question this morning would be this. What is the cause behind your life that justifies the commotion of your life? What is it that you're standing for? What is it that you're shouting about when you go to work? When you come home with your kids and when you're even in the quiet of your own house, what is your soul shouting about? In the Old Testament, there's a group of people called the Israelites and they had been delivered out of slavery in Egypt. They had wandered around in the wilderness and Moses goes up onto the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. As Moses is up there, the people get distracted and the Bible says they got wildly out of control and they built a golden calf and began to worship this golden calf forsaking God. As Moses is coming down from the mountain, it says that Moses can hear shouting in the camp. In fact, they were used to shouting. There was shouting happening in the camp, and it sounded like the shouts of war. Only when Moses and Joshua showed up on the scene, they weren't shouting because they had won a victory. They actually weren't even standing around crying or moping because they had lost. The Bible says that they were shouting, singing, praises, and dancing to the golden calf. It's in that moment that Moses throws the Ten Commandments down. And we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 32. A group of people had been shouting. And when Moses saw the people had broken loose, running wild and out of control, Moses stood in the gate of the camp and he said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. At that time, all the sons of Levi gathered around Moses, and Moses said to them, Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses that he had received from the Lord. And that day, about 3,000 men fell and Moses said, today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son, of his brother, 
so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. That passage is a challenging one for us to grapple with. You see, people were shouting about so much stuff and they got confused and and chaos ensued and nobody knew why anybody was doing what they were doing, but they were all doing it. And Moses comes down and he, he says, I need to ask a question. Who of you would be willing to stand on the Lord's side no matter what it would cost him? And a group of men, the sons of Levi, stood up and said, we will. And in that moment, He says, strap a sword to your side and go throughout the camp. You see, in the Old Testament, we see this a lot. The punishment for sin in in some situations, in some occasions, was death. And so the sons of Levi went throughout the camp killing their, their neighbors and their sons and their brothers because their hearts had turned so far from the Lord that things were getting out of control and out of hand. And a group of men rose up and said, we'll be on the Lord's side no matter what it costs us. They found their cause that day. They found their heartbeat that day. That no matter what it takes, I'm going to stand on the side of the Lord. Do you realize that any time we shout, we've already made a decision deep within our heart? The decision we've made is, whose side am I standing on? In the grand scheme of things, we have to ask ourselves the same question. Is my heart standing on the side of the Lord no matter what it costs me. So as we take a look at this passage today, I want to give you some things. I want to give you some things that I think if we were to put into place in our life, it would totally radically change the way we live our day to day. Not on Sunday. I'm talking about Monday through Saturday. What God could do in us and through us. I've turned these into a declaration that we can speak of ourselves. And the first one is this. Like the sons of Levi, we have to be willing to count the cost. I will count the cost. You see, the Bible asks us this question over and over. It's it's a repetitive pattern throughout Scripture. The Lord is looking for a group of people who will not only stand on his side, but they've actually counted the cost that it would take. So this morning I want to illustrate this to you. Um, I need a volunteer. (laughs) A volunteer with 20 bucks. Okay, 20 bucks cash. Uh, No Apple Pay. Okay, right here. Come on down. Not No Apple Pay, no Venmo, come on. You got old school cash? Old school cash? Right here. Okay. I, I have a question for you this morning. Uh, you can just turn and face right here. What's your name? Gary. Gary. Everybody say good morning, Gary. All right, stand right here. You have 20 bucks? I, I want to see it first to believe it. You never know what you're going to get these days. All right, 20 bucks. I just have one question for you. Oh, you're already giving it to me. Uh, would you be willing to give me that 20 bucks for whatever's in this box? Any other volunteers? When I call a volunteer in main service, everybody gets nervous. They think I'm going to like blend a Happy Meal together and make somebody drink it or something, you know? We did that on Wednesday night. We're not going to do that to you now, okay? You, you'll give me 20 bucks for whatever's in this box? I will. Okay, are you sure? sure. It's a deal? It's a deal. Okay, were you going to take your wife to lunch after this? Sure. Is she going to be upset? Are you, you good? Are you good with him giving away your money? Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Do you want to see what's in the box first? Yeah. You, you would? Mm-hmm. But you can't. Do you want what's in the box? Okay, it's a deal. All right, so I'm going to give you what's in the box if you'll give me that $20. Let me pay up first. I'm going to give you what's in this box. Oh, look. That was a good deal. If you wouldn't have given me that, I could have had this afterwards. You want the $50? This is for you. All right? Everybody give it up for Gary. Wow. 20 bucks turns into 50 Thank you. Go ahead, Gary. 
you could take your wife to, you know, McDonald's. Hey, wait a minute, Gary. Gary, um, you see that girl right there standing, sitting right next to you? Yeah, her name is Bree right there. Bree, will you put your hand up? Uh, will you give that $50 to her? You're in church. You're in church, Gary. All right, thank you. Gary, 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 where are you going? Come here. Come here, Gary. Come back up here. Um, I said you could have whatever's in this box. Don't you, don't you want what's left? No. You don't? No. Are you sure? Sure. You gave me 20 bucks for it. Are you, are you sure you, you don't want what's left? Oh, yeah. You don't want $100? Oh, now he says sure. Now he says, <laughs> now he says I'm taking my wife to Papa Do's. All right? All right. That's yours. You can keep it. Just be sure to tithe on it. Okay, Gary? <laughs> Give it up for Gary. Here's, here's what the Lord does. Lord says, are you willing to give up what's in your hand so that you can have what's in his hand? You see, sometimes when we think about counting the cost, we get confused. Because we live in a world that does a lot of value comparison. It's called Amazon reviews, right? And so, and so here's what we do. We take the $20 in our hand and we say, what is the Lord going to give me in exchange? And we try and do a value comparison. Is what's in this box worth or have greater value than what's already in my hand? The Lord says it's not about a value comparison. Because you see what happens is what's in the box is more than any value we could ever have in our own hand. God always has more than what we can even see. You see, Gary couldn't even see what's in the box. It's not value comparison. It's trust comparison. It's do I trust the Lord enough that even when I can't see the plans that he has for me, I trust that they're better than the plans I have for myself. It's it's a trust that says, it's a trust that says, Lord, I trust your bank account more than I trust my bank account. Lord, I trust your peace more than I trust the chaos and anxiety of the world that I live in. And when we're counting the cost, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I believe, I believe that the value that you have to offer is worth me trusting in. It's worth me giving my life for. I don't know what's on the other side, but I know if it's with you, I'll be okay. I don't don't understand when I have to do some challenging things, like give away the thing that you gave me, and I'm not really sure how I'm going to get it back. I'm going to trust that you still have more in store for my life. Luke chapter 14 says this. This is a Bible verse we don't always love to read in church. I'm going to read it anyway. I'm the youth pastor. 1427 it says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and he was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out and encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate? Deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet far way off, he'll send a delegation and ask for terms of peace. Listen to this verse right here, verse 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. 
The Lord is asking, what are you shouting about with your life? And are you willing to count the cost? The sons of Levi did just that. See, they lost their brothers and their sons that day. It's a very uncomfortable story to read. But when I read it, I see a sense of devotion inside of them. A sense of commitment, a sense of faith, and a sense of trust. I will count the cost. The second thing we have to do that we can learn from them today is this. I will pay the cost. It's one thing to count the cost. It's another to pay the cost. Um, Last weekend we had our youth conference. We had a couple hundred teenagers coming in here. We had a great time. And being a youth pastor is fun. You know, I get to eat a lot of pizza, uh, play a lot of ping pong, and uh, it's a good job. And it it makes you laugh sometimes. Junior high is the funniest. You know, junior high... uh, I'll, we had a block party outside. We had food trucks. And I walk up to a group of junior high girls and, how are y'all doing? And they're like, what's that boy's name over there? <laughs> He's 18. Get over there. You know, like, they just, they got their eye on all these boys. You go over to the junior high boys, though. You know what they got their eye on? The funnel cake truck. <laughs> I'm like, boys, you know those girls are talking about you over there? They're like, we don't care. We just want the funnel cakes. And so I, I walked by and I see this sixth grade boy carrying six styrofoam to-go containers full of funnel cakes. And I'm looking at him. I said, what are you doing? And he goes, they're free. (laughs) It was in that moment that my inner dad that I said would never come out came out. Somebody paid for those. (laughs) You know, sometimes in our life, I think we do the same thing with Jesus. So much of what he has to offer is completely free. Only it wasn't free. Somebody paid. Somebody paid. You see, he gives us his love freely, but he paid for it. He counted the cost, but then he followed through and paid for it. You see, he gives us his mercy and forgiveness and compassion, and it's 100% free for anybody, anywhere who would say yes, but it was a high cost. It wasn't free to him. And here's what he turns around and asks us in return, and this is the thing that I think in our American culture and society can so easily slip away from us amidst all the noise and all the shouting, is that Jesus said, I counted the cost, I paid the cost. I give it to you for free, and I'm asking you to do the same thing I did. Will you count the cost and will you be willing to pay no matter what the cost is? Simple, yet so hard. Because what we realize is if we're all in, it means that Galatians 2.20 has to become a life verse for us. And here's what it says. Galatians chapter 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, but it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I paid the cost, now I'm asking you. You see, it comes free, but in exchange, you actually have to give your life. You see, it's like that $20 bill. The Lord says, I have something so great in store for you. You can more than double your money. You can more see fruit in your life than you ever thought possible. There are things you can't even imagine wrapped up inside of this. But you're going to have to let go of the only things that you have in your hand. 
and trust me? Are you willing to pay the cost? Cost in your relationships, in your time, in your priorities, in your finances? When we give our life to the Lord, he says, I I need you to tithe to me. And he's not just trying to steal your money. He's actually trying to bless your money. And what he actually is doing is he's saying, are you willing to trust what's in my hand more than you trust what's in your hand? And it works with everything. Our behavior, our lifestyle, our attitudes, our actions, what we do for our career, how we raise our children, everything is all lumped in to trust. Do you trust him? Are you on his side? Here's how the Lord knows that you trust him. It's another word we don't like to use called obedience. The Lord says, are you willing to obey and do what I've asked you to do? Um, You know, Pastor Alan always gives a parenting tip. And, you know, I have a one-year-old, so I think I can give a parenting fail. Um, So uh, I'm going to give you a parenting fail. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I was walking with one of our ushers. We were walking to our cars out in the parking lot after church. Just been in here worshiping the Lord and hearing from on high. And we're going and my toddler is screaming. I'm like, I'm just trying to entertain her. So I give her my car keys and she's jingling. You know, they're just like, you know. So I I walk to our car and I'm still talking to the usher. and, And we put the child in the car and strap her in and close the door and I turn around and continue the conversation and all of a sudden I hear a dit dit. I turned around and my one-year-old is sitting in her car seat with the car keys and she locked it. First thing I did I said honey do you have keys in your purse please tell me you have keys in your she doesn't. So here I am trying to be all holy outside of church but you know (laughs) mental you know, anxiety raising up inside of me. I prayed, Lord, no. No, I was like, just get the car open. As I'm standing there, I said to my daughter through the window, I said, hit the button. She's one. (laughs) Hit the button. And she starts laughing at me. And she realized this is a game. And I'm like, it's not a game, but whatever I can do to get you to hit the button. So she goes and she hits every button but the until finally she hits the unlock button. All right, everybody take a deep breath. (sighs) That is okay. In that moment, I didn't need her to just hear what I was saying. I needed her to do what I was asking her to do. And the Lord says the same thing to us. He says every Sunday you come, you get filled up. When you wake up, you read in the Word and you're praying and you're in Bible 365 and I'm filling you up with all this stuff and I don't need you to just hear me. I need you to do what I'm asking you to do. And the people who will do what he's asked them to do are the people who are raising a banner over their life that says, I've chosen my side. I've chosen my team. I'm with the Lord. And as we take a look at these things, sometimes you can... Honestly, if we're just downright honest with ourselves, counting the cost, paying the cost can seem hard at times. I uh, was with a couple a couple weekends ago, and they, we were out, and they were like, you need to buy one of these. This is really nice. And I was like, yeah. And it was a really expensive item, so I said, I, said, I would love to have one of those. In fact, I think I probably need one of those, but that's expensive. And they looked at me, and they said, well, we'll buy it for you. And I was like, okay, (laughs) gladly. You see, the conversation completely shifted. You know why it shifted? Because somebody else was willing to help pay the cost. 
You know, the third thing, third thing isn't about you. Third thing is about him. The first one is, I'll count the cost. The second one is, I'll pay the cost. But the third one, the Lord says, he will provide the funds. He'll provide everything you need to do, everything that he's calling you to do. You see, the Lord never asks us to do things. When you read the Bible and you read some of this stuff and you think, how could I ever do that? Don't you know my life? Don't you know where I've been? The thing is going on. And the Lord says, I'll give you everything that you need to do everything that I've asked you to do. That's what we call being filled. You see, in the Old Testament story, the sons of Levi, it says that they were ordained for the service of the Lord. Now, I realize the word ordained is a word that we don't use very often. But the word ordained literally means these people have been set apart. They've, they've chosen whose team they were on. They were set apart, willing to pay the cost. And the Lord says this to them, I will ordain you. It means I will fill you to be full. And the Lord filled his servants for the work of the Lord, which means this. To anybody who's willing to say, I'll pay the cost, I'll count the cost, I'm all in. The Lord says, I'll fill you up with everything that you need. You feel like you don't have the strength to make it through today? The Lord says, I can provide the strength that you need to get where you're going. I'm not sure how to talk to my neighbor about Easter coming up and how to invite them. And the Lord says, I'll give you the boldness within your spirit to invite them. I, I, Lord, I'm not really sure what to do about this situation at work. They don't really need, you know, they don't really deserve the forgiveness that I know I should give them. Will you give me the strength to do it? And the Lord says, I will fill you. What's so interesting about this Old Testament story is this. That day, 3,000 men died. People were standing around and shouting, and chaos had ensued, and they're shouting about anything and everything. Nobody knew why they had come. And as a result of their shouting and their chaos and their disobedience and their sin, 3,000 people died. You turn to the New Testament. Jesus comes, and he dies on the cross, and he pays the price, and he offers something so freely. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says that the Lord sent the Holy Spirit to fill the disciples. For the first time, they received the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit in such a way that they had a braveness and a boldness and a strength to do what they didn't even know was possible. And that day, 3,000 men didn't die, but they stood up in front of 3,000 men. And for the first time, 3,000 men gave their life to the Lord and were saved. We moved into a whole new season of life when we received the spirit of the living God to fill us up, provide the funds that we need to do what God is asking us to do. Can I show you something real quick? There's a time in our life where we have to realize that the things we're shouting about aren't quite enough. And so we find ourselves in these situations going to anything and everything that we think can fill us. And often what we realize is in the culture and the world we live in, it's far too easy to listen to the shouts of the world that say, if you jump in that relationship, it's, it's gonna save you. If you go to that person and you do this or you have this job or you make this much money, it's gonna change everything. And so we find ourselves chasing the shouts of the world, looking for something, looking for anything that would just fill our tank or satisfy us even just if it's for a, a moment. While the world is shouting, 
and find ourselves filling ourselves with some stuff. Anything that we think would make life better. Please let this work. Please be the answer I'm looking for. Please. We find ourselves getting to a point in our life where we're asking, is half full good enough? Is this really all there is in life? Like, come on, there's got to be more. I mean, I've even come to church my whole life, and there are times, and you, is that all? God, don't you want to do more through me? God, isn't there more out there than this? And the Lord says, I need you to count the cost. I need you to realize something. It's time to stop going to the things that are never actually going to fill you up and turn to the one who has the power in our lives to add value to us as we worship him with our hands lifted high. We have victory over the problems in our life. And all of a sudden some things begin to change and shift and we come back to church even when it's inconvenient. We talk to our neighbors even when we're not comfortable because we know that God is up to something and he's gonna do something. And what begins to happen is we realize like in Acts chapter two, it says that the Holy Spirit fills our life and we receive him. We begin to receive him in fullness. And one day we look up and we realize we're not who we were and some things have begun to change. And just when we think it's all over, we realize that God's not done. And the Lord continues to pour into our life. And he says, now that you're done listening to the shouts of the world, it's time for you to start shouting about something better. Because he's got so much to give us that he doesn't stop when we're full, he keeps filling. And the Holy Spirit comes inside of our life. And one day we wake up and we realize the overflow of our life is making a difference. The shouts and the cries of our life are making an impact on the people around us. Things are shifting in our lives because the Lord is filling us up. And all you have to do is count the cost, pay the cost, and receive whatever is left lacking at the end of the day because he will give it to you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I believe there are some people in the room this morning. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've been looking to some things to fill you up and the Lord says, I'm right here. Whose side are you on? Will you join my team? There's some people in the room, maybe for you, you've known the Lord, but you got far from him. And the Lord's saying, all I need you to do is come back and pay the cost. Lay it all down and I'll give you something great in exchange. If that's you this morning, would you slip your hand up? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, I see your hands. It's time to say yes to him. Thank you, I see your hands. We're gonna pray for you in just a moment. I want you to stay right there. For everybody else in the room, maybe for you, you've been at this a while, you know the Lord, but you know the Lord is calling you to something more. But that something more is gonna require paying a cost. Up until this point, you weren't sure if you were ready to pay. Can I tell you that right now, if you receive the spirit of God into your life, he will give you the strength that you need to take that step, to move forward, to move into greater territory. If that's you right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, you know God is calling you to something more. Would you just slip your hand up? We're gonna pray for you. Thank you, I see hands all over the room. God is asking us, are you in? 
And we're saying yes right now. Can we pray this prayer together? Dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. And so Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross. You paid for my sins. And then God raised you from the dead. So right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation because I said yes to you. I want to pray for everybody in the room. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you're so good that you invite us onto your team. I thank you that we can stand on your side and shout for a cause that justifies the commotion that Christians are making all around the room, all around the world. And so right now we come to you, Lord, and we say we receive your Holy Spirit into our life to make up for any area that we're lacking, to give us the strength and the boldness that we need. We invite him to move in us. Now, when we leave this room, Lord, we're not just going to be hearers. We're going to be doers. We're going to walk out and we're going to pay the cost. Our coworkers who need encouragement, we're there, Lord. Our family that needs healing and prayer, count on us, God. We're there. Our neighbors who are going through some stuff, Lord, we're there. We're ready, Lord. Would you use us and fill us? in ways we've never seen before. We believe greater things are yet to come and we will stand with you at all times. We're following you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.